Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome. Thank you for joining me again today. We are in the special Holy Week messages this week, and today we're in Passover Passion, the reason for this season, Volume 3. We're going to look at the topic in Lesson 5 of Analysis. Analysis. We have seen Jesus coming on the scene, being hailed as Israel's king by the people, weeping over Jerusalem. We have seen his zeal and his ardor being displayed because of his passion and zeal for the Lord's house and for the honor of his name and the sacred things of God. So now we're going to continue through this final week before his death and resurrection after the 10th of Nisan's ride into Jerusalem as Israel's king that had been prophesied. He had now gone aside into Bethany and lodged there for the night. The next morning, on the 11th of Nisan, we see his next actions, and let's discuss these things to understand why. Here he comes the next morning after the triumphal entry, after his entry into Jerusalem, as the analyzer who has been sent by God and makes an evaluation and analysis. Also fulfilling more prophecies as he performs the job for which the prophets had foretold he would do. So let's see what we're talking about. In Matthew chapter 21, I want to read verses 18 through 22. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. Now let's go to Mark's account of this. In Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 14. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Then jump down to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter Remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So here we see one of the next things that Jesus does is curses a fig tree. But why and how is that important? Why do the gospel writers tell us about this event? Let's understand it by studying. First of all, we need to understand the context. 
Jesus is now in his final week. He's been ministering among them publicly now for three and a half years. He's been with them. He's taught them. He's healed them. He's loved them. He's received them. He has sought to correct wrong thinking and wrong philosophy and wrong theology. And he has sought to bring them to repentance. So now it's evaluation time. It's time, so to speak, for them to get their report card. It's time for analysis. What is being analyzed? His people, the Jews, whether they bore fruit. Whether they bore fruit. Whether they received the word of the Lord and acted upon it and had the fruit of that, whether they received him, the Messiah whom God had sent and glorified God or not. How do we know that this is the analysis? This is what's being done. We have to understand the symbolism of the fig tree. Why did Jesus curse a fig tree? We're going to find out. It was not by accident. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He had come to a fig tree and we're going to understand the symbolism of that and why that's important. But the fig tree had leaves on it as if it was producing fruit. It gave the appearance of being fruitful. What is this fig tree? Let's read in Joel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says this, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine. For it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The land mourns for the grain is ruined and the new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Well, you vine dressers for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Here God is calling Israel his fig tree very clearly in Joel chapter 1. There's another place where God defines for us what the fig tree is. And it's found in Hosea, in the prophet Hosea. In Hosea chapter 9, verse 9 through 17. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gideon. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found 
Israel, like grapes in the wilderness, I saw your fathers, speaking of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. But they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves to that shame. They became an abomination like the thing they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them to the last man. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Just as I saw Ephraim like Tyre, planted in a pleasant place. So Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breast. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for there I hated them because of the evil of their deeds. I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebellious. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Yes, were they to bear children, I would kill the darlings of their womb. My God will cast them away because they did not obey him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. So here God is expressing the judgment that he has to bring upon them because they've turned away from him, sought after the Baals and idolatry and other forms of evil and abominations to him. But he clearly says here that Israel is his fig tree. He even says that the patriarchs were the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. They were the beginning of the nation of Israel through the covenant promise God gave to Abraham. So God clearly defines Israel as his fig tree in its symbolism. So Jesus curses the fig tree because of their iniquity and their departure and sin before God. Hosea speaks of this very thing. It even speaks of the fig tree being withered, no fruit bearing. And Jesus fulfills these prophecies. He came inspecting, evaluating, analyzing the fig tree for its fruit. He came looking for fruit and it found none. Why? Because they had rejected him. They had rejected God and the one whom God sent as Messiah. They had chosen their sin instead of repentance. So now the analysis time came and the report, the report card, the proof right now was bad. There's no fruit. So God had to curse the fig tree and it withered exactly as the prophet had said. Now, is this hopeless and permanent for Israel? Absolutely not. Later in the New Testament, we find out more about Israel and its coming in from Jesus and from the apostles later, especially Romans chapter 9 through 11 foretells about Israel. He speaks about how currently the Jewish people are under the curse of blindness, the curse of the fig tree because of their rejection. There's a veil blinding their eyes, but Paul tells us that Israel will be saved in Romans chapter 9 through 11. There, there will be coming to the Lord. He will be wooing them. He will be bringing them to him. And all who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He also tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that this veil, this curse of blindness, is removed 
when anyone turns to Christ, when anybody turns to Jesus, the Messiah, receiving him, turning to him. And Jesus prophesied about the fig tree blooming again and blossoming again in a later time. When Israel would blossom and bloom again, and God will draw Israel to himself. He will fulfill such words as Zechariah 12, 10 through 14, where they will look upon him whom they have pierced, Jesus the Messiah. Isaiah 59, verse 20 and 21. Psalm chapter 14, verse 7. And Isaiah 27, verse 9. All of these will be fulfilled in a time to come. But after rejecting Jesus, his beloved people were placed under this curse, fulfilling these prophecies of old. Yet he is their Messiah, and many are recognizing that and being saved even now. Even then there were some. Remember, all of the early disciples and apostles were Jewish. Everyone who founded the church in the original days were Jewish men who were believers in Jesus Christ, Jewish men and women. So then there were those who would come and believe in him, individuals. Now the same thing is happening, and it will continue to happen. Praise be to God. Currently, however, God is primarily using his church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 through 18, he speaks of how he will build his church. The church is designed and ordained by God to reach both Jews and Gentiles. As a matter of fact, Paul said that the gospel is powerful for salvation and must be preached to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Jesus even spoke of this as a prophecy during his ministry. He spoke it in the form of a parable. In Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6 through 9, it says this. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Now, this is taken from Isaiah chapter 5, which we will look at in just a moment. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not after that, you can cut it down. It's interesting that in this parable, Jesus is correlating it with his very own ministry and the cursing of the fig tree now because he's been ministering among them for three and a half years and there still is no fruit. God had planted Israel as his fig tree. He had planted it in his vineyard. In Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Here he's speaking of the grape, the vineyard, which is another symbol for Israel. There are several symbols in the scriptures. Continuing in Isaiah 5, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, 
Judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help or an outcry. This gives us more clarity. Israel and Jerusalem is his fig tree, his vines, his vineyard, his choice plant. He planted it, and he came expecting fruit. He wanted to see good fruit because he had planted a good tree. But now it's bearing bad fruit. It's bearing no good fruit at all. Nothing, nothing righteous, nothing pleasing to the Lord. It's even rejected the one he has sent. So the day of analysis had come, and they failed to bear fruit to God's honor. So Jesus comes on the scene and judges the fruit found in his people, and he curses them because they were not and would not abide in him, the vine. In John chapter 15, I want to begin the reading in verse 1. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Note also that this he is saying at his final Passover Seder, John gives us clear details about all the conversations, the teachings, and the various exhortations that Jesus was giving them in this final Passover Seder. John chapter 15 is one such place. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In other words, he's saying just like the branch itself, if it's disconnected from the vine, you can do nothing. It will die. It will wither away. It has to be connected to the vine, who is Jesus. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends 
If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. There were Jews who did believe. They found him to be the vine. They found him providing nutrients and bringing forth good fruit from them. But the majority of the Jews, the majority of the Jewish leadership particularly, bore no fruit because they rejected the vine. They had nothing to do with the vine. They were not abiding in the vine. God loved his people. He planted them lovely and in a lush, prosperous place. But when they turned against him, he could no longer bless them any longer. Let's live godly lives ourselves and let's turn to him and obey his word and abide in the vine so that when our time of analysis comes, it will be good. And Jesus can give to us a good report for he is the one who does the analysis just like he did of his people in that day. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for the continuation of our series, Passover Passion, The Reason for the Season, Volume 3, Passion Prophecies, as we see them being fulfilled in Yeshua the Messiah. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.